It's a short little intro, yeah? Yeah. It's like For the, the full song, you can check it on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> there Apple it is. Music. The plug, yeah. So, Amazon Music. So, Deezer, Tidal. Emilia. You can sing it like an Italian. Imagine you're, you're Italian. Emilia. Emilia. Okay, now take out the Italian. Emilia. Em- Emilia. That's it. Emilia Garth. Yeah. And Garth, is that a Hawaiian name? or? No, was... my mom is Hawaiian. My dad is... American of like Caucasian descent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I do know about you is that you're from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, which island in Hawaii? Oahu. Oahu. Okay. And that's the one with Waikiki, right? It yeah, is. The it's one, on uh, the South Shore. And so were you Waikiki or were you like on the kind of the, the, the outskirts of, of the island or? Um, I went to school. So like growing up, I went to school in the mountains above Waikiki, kind of like above Chinatown, so it's the South Shore, but then I moved to Miami, and when I moved back as an adult, for a couple of years, I lived on the North Shore, where it's just country. Right, and the yeah. surfers, the famous surfers no, go right. there, and did you ever surf? I did, in high school, I was addicted to surfing. Okay. Yeah. And so, you just didn't see any kind of purpose there, like, it, I mean, it's tough to make a life out of surfing, but was that, it sounds like it was your passion, like why didn't you continue with that? Well, I loved it, but I wasn't a short boarder, so kind of like skating, surfing, if you're a long boarder, it's more cruising, just like going for the ride, enjoying it, and shortboard you can do more tricks, and it's more maneuverable, yeah. Okay. And I just really enjoyed the sensation, being in the water, it was, um, I guess it was meditation before I started meditating consciously. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, surfers... They have to be very zen and, and basically, you know, exercise is one way to uh, get out of your head and, and focus on your breath. And that's what that's why I use exercise as a, I think for me, meditation is a little boring sometimes, but like, you know, I have my limits. So like I try and do a lot of time, you know, cooking and, and, and exercising and viewing that as meditation as well. But um, I agree with that. Yeah. But anyhow, that's not, it's not about me. It's about you. So basically growing up in Hawaii, um, so obviously you're an artist. Uh, did, when did you first start learning instruments over there in Hawaii? Oh my goodness. Actually, I didn't learn in Hawaii. I, I've been singing my whole life, so that's an instrument. But the ukulele, I, I think I first played it in my entire life in Brazil. I was living in Brazil for a little while, and my sister came to visit, and she had just picked up the ukulele. And so she brought it down, and she was like, cha, cha, cha. And I was like, give me that. Let me try and so I tried, and then I didn't give up, and that's how I learned. So I was far into my 20s. Wow. Yeah, so you can uh, take on a musical talent later in life. Some people give up on that fact, so, you know, Yeah. if they don't have the right introduction to it. So you said singing your whole life. So mm-hmm. was that you were just always a kid who was singing to the, the radio or just like... Yeah. Um, I went through a period when I was a child when I repeated everything because I was so interested in sound. It intrigued me. And so my dad is from the interior of Georgia, so they have a different accent there. They have like the country twang, and also there was like the urban crowd there, which had a very different way of speaking. So I got to develop my ear in that sense, versus in Hawaii, we speak 
very differently. We have different slang. There's a different dialect. There's the Hawaiian language. And so uh, sound really intrigued me. And my mom says, my mom's a hula dancer. And she says that when she was pregnant with me, the Hawaiian word for pregnant is hapai. She says, when I was hapai with you, I used to MC. Hapai. <laughs> hapai. Like with an up-pai, H. <laughs> with an H. Hapai. Hapai. Yeah. She says, I used to MC hula shows. So you were always surrounded by music. And just... yeah. so when I came out of the womb, she says that when I cried, it either sounded like I was laughing or singing. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful to have given my mom that experience. Sounds like you were uh, not an easy child, if there ever is one. I don't know. I can't can't say. I mean, every child can be difficult. Um, but it's great to have a child that loves music and is passionate. So it seems like you're passionate about a lot of things. Also yoga, which we'll probably get to later. But I feel like yoga was kind of later in life that you embraced yoga. Much later. Yeah. So first, you were in Hawaii. You love music. You love surfing. And then... Did, what was your first, like, what did, you, what did you go to school for? What did you decide to study? So, I also grew up in North Carolina, and I finished school in Hawaii, and then my parents were like, um, you can't stay here, you have to leave the island for college. And I, w- I just wanted to sing reggae and just surf and be mm. a bum. But I <laughs> wanted to play reggae music and sing. And my parents said, no, there's more to the world. Yeah. And we want to be proud of you. We want you to explore. And if you stay here, that's what everybody does. Not that we won't be proud of you. But we know that there's a bigger world out there waiting for you. So you can't stay here. And so I only applied to two schools for college. I applied to University of Southern California and University of Miami because I had two criteria. One was average annual temperature. I was like, I can't do cold weather. And then the other one was proximity to the beach. So I got offered a really nice scholarship to University of Miami, so there was no contest. I came, I saw, I conquered. Wow. Freaking the Cleopatra over here of Miami. Alright. Um so you conquered Miami. Is that all right, we'll get to that later. No, I'm but kidding. I'm kidding. No, I know, I know. But like, what what made you feel like you conquered? I feel like I read a little about you that you, you know, you were persistent in finding your your crowd, your your niche, and and you were even posting on like random boards, bulletin boards, like, hey, I want to find a a band. How did you find this out? Yeah, I read one of your articles, but you know, I had some time while I was making the chili. But <laughs> anyhow, so you found a reggae band. If you're tuning in now, we had chili for dinner. It was vegan. And I made it especially no peppers, no garlic. And it was a sacrifice, but that's what I do. Mix, helping me mix it up for Thank once. You. Thank you. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, so you got to Miami and you love reggae. So what, were you, what, did you, what did you choose to study for your major? So I actually wanted to study linguistics because I, I love language. I love sound. And languages have always captivated me. Because there's so much more than grammar and vocabulary. You learn an entire culture. You open a door to a whole new world and rhythms and flavors and mm. colors. And, and in the Hawaiian language, we have more than 200 words for rain. And they're just like, oh my gracious, there's so much behind a language that you can learn. And so I wanted to study linguistics, but at UM they didn't offer that. So I took, uh, I double majored in Spanish and public relations with a minor in business, but then I also took Italian and Portuguese. 
Okay. Are you fluent in all these languages? I'm not fluent in Italian. I'm fluent in Portuguese and in Spanish. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I understand, like, basic grammar of Italian. I lived in Italy for, like, three weeks, and I was able to okay. find my way. Um, is that so, you, basically, Spanish, Portuguese? Do you know French at all? I'm sorry. I know that you're French. I do not speak okay. French. So you love language, but really you love the Americas and the language of the Americas. No, 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 <laughs> no. What? No, because Spain and Portugal. Right. Those... No, no. Okay. So within the Latin... You know Latin uh, languages. Um, so was that fulfilling you enough to study those? I mean, I feel like you were still pursuing your music outside of school, right? Was that like you were constantly finding a way to to use your voice, right? Is that where you started discovering that you wanted to be in a band? You wanted to kind of express yourself because were you really expressing yourself within your major, or were you you were always looking outside of that? Um, music. I can't live without music. Be it dance. Be it singing. Both of those are almost equally as important in my life. But I feel like singing, I'm really into healing um, and inspiring. And I feel like through dance, you can, because there's a big power in helping people connect to their bodies. And dance can be strengthening. It can increase flexibility and cardio. Great, great, great. But also it can help people embrace their sexuality, which is also something that is quite taboo in our culture. Um, however, I don't feel like sexuality is my role because um, I would be more with getting in touch with repressed emotions in other senses. So I'll leave the sexuality up to other people, but I'll help people deal with other things through meditation, through yoga, through music. So through singing, I like to always have conscious lyrics because that helps us reprogram our brains. Right. with all these positive words and when we sing them we're like retraining our brains so dance is amazing i love it i'll do it i do it all day every day in my kitchen when i'm washing the dishes like i get down to your own music or <laughs> what do you listen to no it, it depends I, so crazy i used to be a jamaican dance hall instructor jamaican dance hall yes okay you can google it after uh, do you know what it is i don't i actually i've heard of the, the concept before but so I'm assuming that just Jamaica has these crazy dance parties and there's a certain type of dance. How do you describe it to us? Um, like twerking. Extreme twerking. You instructed twerking. Yes. <laughs> like a twerk out. <laughs> I feel like you could make a, a great living here. On you, you, could, you could honestly do like an Airbnb experience here on the beach. People, <laughs> people would like eat that up. Like I, I feel like that's an untapped uh, part of your portfolio. <laughs> I, I think that that's already happening on Ocean Drive as we speak. Right. I don't know if we need more of that. But we could have it classier, maybe. I mean, you know, sober. Um, but uh... well, that's, the thing. that's the thing, actually. There's a lot to tap into with sexuality and freedom of expression with your body. So some people might not even be okay doing it sober. Right. Even if we put the, the mask on it or the filter of it being a workout, they, they could, some people have that liberty, but those are not the people that need to come, actually. Right. Some people, yeah, I mean, some people need a little bit of a push, and sometimes, you know, or a little bit of a, you know, they need, they need to, like, loosen up a bit, and sometimes alcohol is, is the way for some people, and that's fine. I mean, eventually they learn to love it enough, they don't need that, but, um, so, I guess we can jump right to it. You, you basically create a space here in Miami for people to uh, to express themselves with open mic, with also dancing. So what is this what is this called again? It's the K word. Cannot oh, be cut off. Yeah. So it's Kani Kapila. Kani Kapila. Yeah. When how long ago did you start that? What was the first So Kani Kapila is a Hawaiian tradition and 
it's a great way for the community to connect and for us to all express ourselves and it's very therapeutic and the thing is we don't even realize what it's doing to us but that's why i think so many cultures where music is integrated into the culture those are the happy people like if you think about stereotypical and this is stereotypical of course there are exceptions but there are also reasons for stereotypes to exist you think of the stereotypical brazilian is that person happy stereotypical yeah is that person musically inclined stereotypical um, you imagine that person to be a good dancer wouldn't you? dancer yes okay that's musical they have rhythm okay they they feel free to dance think of your stereotypical venezuelan happy person a little bit less. I mean, it's just... it's Okay, not because of the political situation. Oh. But, like, does that person like to dance? Less than Brazilian, yeah. Just play with me here. <laughs> Go with oh, it. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, I mean, okay. So you just, you think about these cultures where music is already included in the package. And these people are generally just happy-go-lucky. And it's a therapy that we don't realize that we're missing in a lot of American culture. Or, or if you look at the quality of the music... In general, it's low vibration, and they're not giving good ideas, especially to the kids. Right. I mean, I'm always pretty conscious of the lyrics, if they're like, you know, if they're positive or self-promotional or if they're, you know, uplifting. I think, you know, at the end of the day, pop culture in America, a lot of the lyrics, maybe not so. Um, but, like, what do you think, you know, I guess, is that your dream, the whole, whole new world? Freaking, it's just people listening to positive music, and, and how do you think that will happen, that more people would do that? You know, what's really interesting is that I think we, obviously, children are the future. It's just obvious, right? We procreate, creating forward children. So I think that it starts with the kids. So lately, when I've been releasing music, this year my project is to release a song every month. And so I've been putting, because I'm self-releasing, I can choose the genre and the subgenre. Previously, I would put like relaxing music or like easy listening music, and now I'm putting children's music. Because my lyrics are really simple, and I think that if the kids could listen to it, and that's, I think that's a marketing ploy that I really don't know, but whatever kids do, whatever kids want, their parents will go for. Right? So I bet you all parents know all the songs from the kids' movies, because their kids are like, we want to watch it. What if the kids want to do something positive? And the parents end up being like, oh my gosh, you know what? This is actually quality content. Hmm. I feel like you could be definitely one of the... You could sing a song for like Disney or something. Have you thought about that? Is that your totally dream? That would totally be a dream. I feel like that's where kids really have their their attention span is on these these Pixar, Disney, like, movies, animations. I'm ready to audition. That's where a lot of those are musicals. I think that's your calling is to work with Disney at some point. Because obviously when I hear you, I'm like, wow, you could have been on Moana. Like, I'm sure you already, people tell you all the time, like, damn, like, you, you missed that boat. But, like, you can, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can get the next one. There'll be another Hawaiian, Hawaiian, Hawaiian cartoon or a Hawaiian uh, animation at some point. But it doesn't have to be Hawaii. But, like, anyway, the, what you're doing and what Disney does with the kids, like, it's very similar. So trying to help bring out more of the kid and all of us adults here in Miami. Uh, first time we met, um, so actually I do, I like to do free yoga in Espanola way, but they canceled it one day. And so I was like, where can I do yoga? I got to do yoga. It's Saturday. I always do yoga. And so then I was like, someone else was like, oh, actually there's this yoga in the park with, uh, uh, Amelia and, uh, Amelia and, <laughs> and anyway, it was a great yoga experience by the tree over there by the tennis courts. Um, 
and no, I do remember uh, just a great, you know, family vibe there, and um, it was a good yoga session, not not too difficult, but like definitely, there were some things that were different from other experience, yoga, you know, it wasn't just your classic basic uh, vinyasa, it was like, you know, we're, you're always, you could tell it was creative, you were having us, you know, move our wrists in different ways, and, and kind of, and kind of reach new, um, new points of flexibility that we never tried before. And it was, it was a very nice experience. Um, so speaking of yoga, what prompted you going from music and learning yoga? Like what prompted that? Um, so it was actually going back to the Jamaican dance hall. Yeah. I was teaching Jamaican dance hall and I did not stretch almost ever. And my body was falling apart. My knees were so sore. And I was like, you know how, so I used to work in a sustainable architecture and interior design firm where we had these products and you could see, let's say a hinge had like 3,000 cycles. So you could open and close whatever was on that hinge 3,000 times or something, right? I felt like my knee had less than 20 cycles left. And I was like, I'm way too young for this and my knee is falling apart. So I found out that I had almost no meniscus left in my knee and I was going to have to have surgery. And I was going to have to not teach anymore. I didn't have insurance, so I was going to pay out of pocket. And then I was going to have all the physical therapy and be out of work for a while. And I was like, this is horrible. And I've done this to myself. And my sister at the moment, this is in Hawaii, she had just opened a yoga studio and she was all about yoga. And what's funny is that there's actually a picture of us from that era where I'm in like booty shorts and like a sweatband and like a little sports bra. And my sister is all fully covered in like kundalini yoga attire with like full sleeves and like baggy pants and a turban. And there, and I probably have like headphones on, like big headphones on and like the two of us are posing and she's all like, namaste. And I'm like, get down. And um, so she had just opened a yoga studio and she's like, you know, if you do restorative yoga, you might be able to rehabilitate your knee. And I was like, I don't have the patience for that. She's like, but then you wouldn't have to have surgery. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll try. And I, was, I hated it. But I commit, she gave me, she was so generous. And little did she know she changed my life. She gave me a free month to her studio. And so the first class I went to, have you ever done restorative yoga? Yeah, it was much more shavasana than active headstands kind of thing. I mean, you're like laying in the same position for eight whole minutes. Yeah, and the lights are out, and there's like sitar music. You're really babying yourself, basically. But it's it's good for you if you need it. You're just laying there, and so I didn't know. I had seen like all these fit yoga bodies, and I was like, great. So I probably had like a big ass cup of coffee before I went in there, and was like in my booty shorts, ready to get down. And then we just like lay there, and then they're like, in eight minutes. We will move to the other side. I was like, this is horrible. How are all these people so fit? Like, what? what's going on? What is the magic happening here? So I went, and I think that class was twice a week. And I, I think after, like, the third class, already I felt a release in my spine. And I, f- I felt the difference already. And so I looked at the class schedule, and I saw they had other things. And I was like, well, let me try some other stuff. And because it was a brand new studio, very few people were in the classes. So I basically had either private or semi-private classes. And by the end of the month, I was like, I love this yoga stuff. I want a membership. This is amazing. So you were... Slowly. It wasn't an immediate 180, but now 
I'm full. I love yoga. Okay, but you actually went to India, right? Isn't that, I did. What's the story of that? Like deciding to go from loving yoga to being a teacher. It's just like a natural progression for you. No, I didn't actually want to be a teacher. I was a professional audiovisual translator, and I, I didn't like my job at all. I really didn't like it. What were you translating? Um, movies, TV shows, reality mm. shows. I was a translator, recruiter, and trainer, and proofreader. Okay. And um, I really didn't like my job, and I was there for a while, and then I asked for a raise. You know, you should get a raise periodically. And they're like, no, maybe next year. And I was like, okay, no future here. And also, when you're in a job, you should always look up and say, do I want to be my boss? Like, Because if I were to be promoted, I could either go laterally to a different department, not too interesting, maybe, but not really. Or do I want to be my boss? No, I don't want to be my boss. Mm. Okay, let me transition out. So I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to go to India to be a yoga or to do my yoga teacher training just so I can feel like I'm being productive mm. while I figure out my next step. So I went to India, had an amazing time, absolutely beautiful, saw some very Where sacred in India, sites. Are you? I was in South Goa. South Goa. Yeah, and then I went on this epic trip to Hampi, which has um, just things beyond what I could have fathomed. Temples made of stone that are like older than the Bible, mm. I think. I don't know. I'm not very good with time. And um, absolutely stunning. They have a temple there where all the columns are different music notes. And you can tap on them and they and mm. you like make your own symphony. So you got stuck there for a while? <laughs> it was Well, you weren't allowed to do it, so I did. But <laughs> And they're like, nobody go here. And I was like... The rebel. <laughs> the rebel in you. Yeah, you of go. course. How can you not? Yeah. So yeah. I've actually, that's one amazing country I've not been to. I've been Southeast Asia, I've done, I've been a lot of places, but India has still, still eluded me. Um, it's like, it makes, I love cooking Indian food too. I mean, I love, I feel like yoga kind of originated there a little bit, no? I mean, it depends who you ask. Some people say, if you go to Indonesia, they say that it comes from Indonesia, mm-hmm. but most people will say it comes from India. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the great, um, some of the greats in like light on yoga, a lot of the, yeah. the amazing yogis came from there. Um, uh, I think Indian food pairs well with yoga the next day, all the spices, and it's just like, anyway. But, so you got you did your training there, and then you came back. Yeah, and what so was your I, first I, time I teaching? Back. Well, I didn't want to teach. I was like, well, where, there's a song, where do we go from here, or something. And I was like, where do I go from here? And then um, this friend of mine was like, you got to start teaching yoga. I was like, I don't think I want to. She's like, I'm pulling you into my company. I was like, okay. So I just started teaching mm. yoga right off the bat against my will, and I loved it. Yeah. It's a little yeah. scary at first, but then you just, it's a, it's kind of a thrill to to basically, I've taught a few classes, because I have my own 200-hour training in San Francisco that I did, mm-hmm. but then that was like a year ago, and I've taught some few impromptu classes. It's always a thrill to kind of like, because usually, you know, just to, to have some people that you're caring about that it's like you kind of watch what they're doing but to be able to have that creative space to also like it, it's kind of like for me if I do my own yoga it's like become very like routine like here I love these poses I, I'm addicted to doing these <laughs> like I have to do my camel and my uh like I have to do um like fixed firm pose I have to do my war I, there's a lot of poses I have to do because I just feel amazing afterwards but then when I have to teach some like, like a random impromptu group it's like all right, let's, how can I mix it up from last time? Because, like, sometimes you, the, what drives creativity sometimes is, like, 
wanting to provide like a, a more variety experience for someone else who's joining, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. otherwise you don't want it. I mean, who's going to keep going to yoga teacher? It's the same exact thing. Unless it's hot yoga, unless it's like no. Bikram. A you lot know? of people love that. The same. I mean, I guess I, I guess you could say I designed my own sequence. That's kind of like Bikram, but like not Bikram, but it's just like, it hits every spot that, that I love. But if I had to teach a class every week, I would force myself to mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But don't, don't you agree? Like it's, you can't appeal to the masses unless you mix it up a little bit. Because then it's like, some people will be like, wow, we, there's no excitement here. We know exactly what's coming. <laughs> but at the same time, same time, Bikram is a whole industry just based on that. Although it's hot and you sweat, it toxins. But like, I guess, how much do you mix it up every every time in your, uh, in your yoga, yoga classes? I, I get to the point. I have gotten to the point where I'm basically an open channel. Just whatever comes out of my mouth works. So no plan. You don't like plan... Your because some teachers will obviously have a, like a note in their phone and they're like, okay, we're gonna do this, this, this. We're gonna do this a little different. They plan the peak pose right in the middle, and then you know they basically design something a little different than the last time, and they keep it like a note of it. Do you do you do that, or are you just completely improv? Total improv. Okay. Don't tell anybody. That's cool. I guess less time for preparation, but. Are you, do you ever do you feel your group? You're like, oh, this is what they need, or is it really just like whatever comes to you? I can see different levels. Every, everybody's different every day, and every group has different levels, so you just give different variations. You don't teach to the top, you don't teach to the bottom, you don't teach to the middle. You just teach all the poses, and you give people variations. Mm. Yeah, levels that they can reach. And yeah, then... because some people, and sorry, just to like go off of that, because there are different aspects. There's flexibility, there's strength, um, and... I think that, oh, there's balance, obviously. So someone can be very strong and have zero balance. That's um, usually the case with guys. And they also don't have flexibility, but they have the strength. And then women can have flexibility. Women, everyone can have everything. But typically women will have more flexibility, maybe less strength. Or vice versa, or maybe some people only have balance. Some people might not have any balance. So in every aspect, you give different variations. So everyone feels comfortable and everyone can find a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you don't want to intimidate any newcomers to, you know, you want to give the beginner options to people and then you want to also challenge your more, you know, advanced students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, you, you have to adjust to the crowd that, that you're facing. Um, so is that, is yoga for, for you? It's a sort of a way for you to build your community, um, but at the same time, like, what do you envision going forward? So right now you're making music, you're doing yoga, you're leading these events. Um, you know, what what do you think is the next step for you to make a bigger impact? That's a great question. I I was thinking of doing a festival, like a full conscious wellness festival, hmm. and I know it takes a lot of work, but I think. You know, with work comes so much learning, right? Yeah. And that's what life is for. So at some point, that's definitely what I'd like to do. And it will be a collaborative effort. It has to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're going to market it and get it to be big, you have to have a lot of partners involved. Who would be some partners in Miami that would subscribe to that kind of thing? Half of Miami, maybe a third.
You know all the New Agers in Miami. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know a lot of I them, keep no? on discovering them. Well, you I... go to South Point at sunset on a Sunday, you find enough Acura yogis, and well, there's always new people showing up, right? I mean, um, definitely. I mean, I know there's like a there's like the Vibe WhatsApp group. There's there's places where you meet new people coming in all the time that um, you know focus on high vibrations you could say mm-hmm. or just um wellness and so miami is becoming more and more of a place like that i mean for me san francisco is crazy how it seemed like everyone and their mother had like a yoga training you know certificate mm-hmm. and like it was like but at the same time like yoga studios there like people like you had to like really be good to get in but like the teachers there were literally like making a living like you know on their classes like it was like people were paying like, a lot to go to those classes and uh, I think in Miami we have less yoga teachers who are like full time paying their bills just off yoga. You know, San Francisco is kind of a mecca for that. Um, but you know, at the same time, yeah, the yoga community here is a little bit smaller. Um, the yoga community here is smaller than another place. The yoga community San Francisco? Here is enormous. San Francisco is pretty big. Uh, same time, you know, I agree. Where What are some of your favorite studios or teachers, or in, in terms of obviously your you do it yourself. You have an outdoor space, and um, but do you ever go to other studios? Like, do you are there any that you um, they kind of you support or you you advise or you recommend? I I also teach at Equinox, so I go. Oh, you do? Yeah, so I go to Equinox. Okay. Which is top of the line. <laughs> what is just like the facilities? And the instructors. Oh, yeah. Okay. And. So yeah, I mean Equinox. I mean every most gyms now have have yoga. Um, so, but then again, like today we had at, at dinner, we had you know one of my friend third wheelers having dinner with us. He was like so not on the path to being a yogi. He was like really at the you know far beginning stages on this on this path, and you know kind of like well I can't even see myself sitting down for more than a minute, and I can't. I'm not flexible. So like, what do you think? Uh, I think we, we talked about with, with with Victoria from Synergy Yoga. It's just like sometimes when problems come up and you have a friend or a family member who's like, you know, there's a certain pose in yoga that actually helps that problem. And so then, you know, problem solving with yoga is kind of like the reason you got into it in the first place is like to problem solve your knee, your meniscus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think looking at yoga as like a curative tool is a way to get a lot more people into yoga. Uh, for example, I have one friend today. He's like in our run club. He's like, it's like I have this like kind of like weird pinched nerve thing on my mm. in my uh, my tendon, and I'm like, he's like I'm researching nonstop what to do, and I'm like, hey, well, first of all, it's always great to go to an expert, go to a chiropractor, see what they say, see if they can help you with some adjustments. But not not only that, like yoga is one amazing way to just just heal the body. So I think using looking at yoga as a curative tool is like you know one way to get a lot more people into it. Mm-hmm. And how would you you think doctors like doctors are are could be more aware of yoga and its benefits. Oh my gosh, doctors! Both <laughs> <laughs> well, my sisters are doctors in that space. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's actually funny. I don't think that like the population of doctors and yogis doesn't like overlap that much. Like, I feel like less than what you would less than average amount of doctors actually do yoga. So here's the thing. I believe that we all operate from our. Ha- we're all doing our best with what we know. Doctors oftentimes treat the symptom. But what's the root? 
why don't we just look at what the root is? It's gonna be more work, but it will actually cure the problem instead of just putting a band-aid on it and having the problem persist and just numbing it. Literally, if you think about medicine, we're numbing things. You know why people that take blood thinners can't eat grapefruits? Because grapefruit already is a blood thinner. What if they just ate a grapefruit every day or half a grapefruit? Why don't doctors tell them? I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you sorry about? I'm sorry that your sister's a doctor. What? And that may, she probably just doesn't know. Okay. That they're like nature. We, there are so many alternative things instead of like, I don't know what kind of doctor, there's so many doctors. We need doctors. God bless doctors. I mean, definitely there's, we need doctors. But at the I same agree. time, I'm just saying it's not one or the other. I mean, let's be real. Like sometimes, you know, we need doctors. Like I'm, I, I'm very adamant. I gotta push back on that one. No, it's, it's cool. No, totally. We need doctors. Stuff happens. We need surgeries. Like people having babies need help. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff happens, especially ER. But just... If there are alternative ways to go to the root instead of just, here, take this medicine every day for the rest of your life. Mm, right. That's not curing. Yeah. That's not healing. And, th and then I think, I don't want to like say anything too strong, but a lot of physical ailments are just indicating that, okay, maybe I need to change my diet instead of have a pack of Tums on Absolutely. all the time. Or, okay, I have a pain here. I'm not going to take ibuprofen every day. When I get old and I have arthritis, I probably will take an ibuprofen every day. Or I'll probably like, actually, I don't think so. I think I'll put like some kind of a balm or a salve and like stretch. Yeah. But I, I can see that that's what people do. And I just think that there are alternatives. And I would like to see, how do we even start talking about oh, doctors and yoga? I would like to see, oh my gosh, for example, obesity. What if we just incorporate more physical activity and doctors prescribe physical activity and follow up with it instead of take these weight loss pills or God that's knows, for sure. whatever, I don't no, know. No, I mean, uh, usually there's either like a artificial patch or there's like a actual take action and, and, and heal yourself with a true natural remedy patch. And you're totally right. I mean, there's both ways. But anyway, um, so, you know, basically... Doctors out there, I mean, I'm friends with so many, and I think some of them should, like, I think some of them hospitals should, like, you know, subsidize or, or advise more yoga for their doctors, help with their stress, because yeah. there's such a sacrifice that they that they do. I mean, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so in awe of that, that these people, my friends, my sisters can make this sacrifice. It's incredible. But it's, they're definitely different types of people who, typically, we've I figured out they love biology and they mm -hmm. love people. And okay. then it just like dives them into into the healthcare, mm -hmm. and so what's funny is like these people who love biology, um, you know, it'd be great. It's a little different than people who love physics. So like people who love physics are easier to get into yoga and movement and like mm -hmm. you know. So it's like they need to learn. But like, I I don't know like what will what will help that except for um, you know maybe you can offer doctors free classes to your to your free entry to your classes uh, <laughs> and we could subsidize doctors doing more yoga I think that would be great I think that that's something in the future that that um, can be I think in a perfect world yeah doctors are more aware of the Ayurvedic uh, methods as well uh, and so well that's that's a whole lot of serious stuff so I, I, I want to pivot a little bit <laughs> yeah but, uh, <laughs> just to clarify we do need doctors. I agree. Okay. And I've, I've... Can't, he, can't heal everything with sound? Can you just play sound? 
Well, sound healing. Hey, well, let's the pivot to that. What is sound healing exactly? Because I'm still a little bit like, I'm not like, I'm not, uh, I used to say, uh, skeptical, but I'm just like, okay, what exactly is sound healing? because at the end of the day everything is is a vibration like our sight is perceived vibration of these waves that are reflecting off like it's weird nothing actually exists nothing is solid right it's just vibration and um, sound healing I like to pair with our our breath because we can co-create like this energy of like accepting and releasing which is the inhale and the exhale and sound can guide and it's, it's interesting who you study under according to some people sound healing should not have any rhythm because we want to continuously just like surprise and allow the person to be fully present instead of like if there's a rhythm then the person might kind of start dancing or it becomes mm. repetitive but then other people say like create a rhythm so that it can be repetitive and the person can just like wander off so it, it really depends. Mm. Um, I think that more than anything, it's a tool for relaxation. Yeah. Because nature is such a great way to relax. It's an outlet. Whether mm. you like the mountains and, and the cold weather and the cold breeze on your face or the being outside and hearing the rustle of the leaves. And I think that sound healing, a lot of it emanates all of that kind of energy. Maybe they have the rain stick and sounds of nature and mm. so I think it's it's a great way to take yourself on a date and just be there and disconnect have your phone off mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah sounds pretty spacey to me um, <laughs> but, but like everything you would not find in space you know, that's why I love mother mother earth uh, so speaking of like you know these kind of like ultra experiences I did see that you played at ultra or like what is that because that kind of surprised me that you know Wait, like, how, sorry. That was in your I resume have, somewhere. It, it, yes, like, I have. So, what did you? What was the story that I you? Sung at Ultra. Ultra Music Festival. Wait a minute. Just let me let me understand this segue here. Ultra experience to Ultra Music Festival. <laughs> was that? Was yeah, it was a little creative. I had to say. I, <laughs> come on, I had to. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. So, and this this is really interesting. Um, I love dancing, as you know, and I used to go clubbing all the time. So yeah. I know and love electronic music. I know some DJs. I'm a singer. They're like, let's collaborate. And when I used to go clubbing, I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally be this voice that's singing here. I could totally be the voice singing like in any genre, but I was like, I'm already here. How cool would it be to sing up in the DJ booth? And so I do that. And I actually just did that last night. Where? Um, at La Palapa, a really beautiful venue up in... Um, it's called Upper Buena Vista. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I sing with DJs. I write the music. I produce this music. If you're listening, we're on Spotify, decided, D-S-I-D-E-D. We probably have like five, six, seven, eight, maybe 11 tracks out. And also recently I've released, it was at the end of last year, two tracks with Ella Romand featuring Emmy Garth. And they're more like organic house 
Okay. And so what was the song that you sang at Ultra? I sang a bunch of songs. I sang a set. You sang for how long? Which DJ were you with? Maybe like half an hour. With my friend, Ella Roman. I was she, with Yeah, she's, I think she's played at Ultra like three times. Okay. So you guys coordinate, like you kind of, does she tell you, oh yeah, I'm playing this music, this tracks, and you're like, okay, I'll sing something over that? Yeah, we rehearse. Just like a band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I used to even be a DJ. For a little while, I had a DJ phase where uh, I was like in the music scene in Boston, and I just kind of like went all in on that. Um, but it's totally, it's one of the interesting, uh, you definitely are just as passionate and about it as other you know musical instruments or bands, but um, there's definitely like a... A social aspect to it of like loving just like you've got you you thrive on being with people and 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 watching them and and kind of playing to their um what they need it's kind of like a yoga teacher totally of. it's very similar yeah. um yeah so that's one of your cool experiences um and so yeah i mean at the end of the day in miami uh i still don't really get how you became a like a Jamaican dance hall instructor? That one I want to get out. Like, what what mm-hmm. what was the story of getting into that? Because like, okay. did you go to Jamaica? Have a crazy experience? No, I have yet to go to Jamaica. So, um, I used to be a Zumba instructor, and the Zumba music, sorry Zumba lovers, was cheesy for me because they sent out like these Zumba mixtapes or whatever, and I was like, oh, this is so cheesy. And I went over to my friend's house, and her boyfriend, her life partner, I don't know if they're still together, was a dance hall DJ. It was in Hawaii. She started playing some music, and I just could not stop dancing. And I was like, wow, I need this. And so I got it, and then um, I started doing choreography to it. And I, good gracious, I, I feel like one of those kids in a third world country that just watches the internet or like reads a whole bunch of books, and they teach themselves things. Mm. Because that's what I did on YouTube with Jamaican Dance Hall. Hours and hours and hours. And I subscribed to all the channels. And I worked on choreography for hours in my room at my house. And I was just jumping around doing all this crazy choreography. <laughs> and so it was self-taught. But it was so fun. And you still haven't been to Jamaica. I still haven't. It's not even that far from Miami. It's too bad. It's just, the thing is, I like to go places where they don't speak my language. Okay. So I guess, damn, it's like half the world's off the, off the list then. Do you speak Spanish, Portuguese? So you got, have you been to Africa? I've been to Africa. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I just, I want, I want to connect to you. I wish I had connections. You and Disney. I mean, you belong at Disney. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's just like the, your vibe. I feel like, do you feel like you're working enough with the children? Because I feel like you're not really working with the children. But you're trying to bring out the child in all of us here in yeah, Miami. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how well I would work with children. I actually just saw a Yoga for Kids um, teacher training the other day. And yeah. I, I considered it. And I think I, a lot of times, the things that we, actually all the time, the things we do, we don't even see the results. So like I might be working with this person, but then whatever I do with this person is going to trickle down to someone else. So if I'm not working directly with the kids, at least what I'm doing could trickle down to the kids. So if I work directly or indirectly with kids, I don't know. But if I'm working with their mother, mm-hmm. then that kid is going to go to school and then they're going to share all that love and all those vibes. Right. No, it's important to uh, to heal the adults who are in charge of lead, I know, raising the kids. Oh my For gosh, sure. yeah, because we're all just big kids. Right. That's kind of what like, my job is a little bit. Like I I like motivating. We have three core values at 
podcast, Local Voices. It's uh, Curiosity. Um, and then there's, uh, there's Generosity. Um, and then there's also Activity. So like Curiosity, Activity, Generosity. Curiosity of the world, activity of your routines and habits and, and you know, good activity that heals you. And then just generosity in your community, you know, mm. service. And those are three things I really want to promote in the world. Mm. Um, and some part of it is just listening sometimes, you know, you got just listening, learning every, every day, reading a book at night before bed, whatever, good habits that you can just keep yourself open to more inspiration. Um, so we're at that point in the podcast. Uh, who are some like who are some of your favorite inspiring people in Miami? Like who, who if you had to name like three people who uh, would be good to interview on the podcast, who would they be? Well, I was gonna bring my friend Raw Chef Carla. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, Raw Chef, vegan chef. She's amazing. Um, my friend Ella Roman, the DJ that I sing with. She's one of my best friends. Good gracious! Like everyone that I know is so interesting and so curious. So active. so active so generous <laughs> just go on my instagram and like follow everybody oh uh, yeah okay it's that easy kevin uh, kevin would be interesting um his name is kevin sanchez he yeah. is also an amazing yoga instructor musician and he's studying he's getting his master's in psychology and he works with children who have difficulty communicating mm. very important just like spot that early on right in their development and heal that change their life so mm-hmm. so I've, and change their family's life oh yeah because so much of their energy is on raising their kid and making sure they're they're well mm-hmm. um, no there's no shortage of like yogis in Miami I know that but I'm also kind of curious how many hats you, you've worn in your life because you've sounds like you've worn like just thousands of hats when I say like Zumba teacher dance hall instructor yoga teacher singer What's like one hat or one thing that people don't know about you that? Oh my gracious! There are so many things. I know. I've just done start, in my just life. start firing them off. I am. Because we don't have that much time. <laughs> I want something wacky. Were you ever like an astronaut or? <laughs> Little do you know. <laughs> I could see you spacing out in there, you know, in space for like. Just, you could be one of those people who could last ten years just like meditating. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> could, probably. And I would come back with so many songs. Good gracious. Um, well, I think it's one thing that's not that cool was the the adapter. Oh, oh, oh I know, I know. I, I sing in little kid cartoons. You're, okay. I'm the voice. I'm the cartoon voice. But you already did this stuff. You're just not Disney level yet, but Sunday. For, I, for what? I am Disney level. They just don't know. <laughs> All right. So we'll, someone's got to put you to get you two together. Oh my yeah. god! But yeah. it'll happen. So what? What kind of? It's on a TV show or just yeah, random, random movie? It's some TV show. It's called um, VV Worldly World. I sing in the, the um, opening song. But one of the jobs that I do now—it's one of my freelance jobs. I do a million things right. still. Is I trans? I adapt songs from one language into English. So I've adapted songs from Chinese into English, from Russian into English. Right now I'm working on Spanish into English. And Portuguese and English and that's sometimes if you you can find me in my house singing really crazy lyrics because I work on all kinds of different programs like in Chinese or singing in no Chinese? in English. English the original script is in Chinese uh, okay. so like that's that's something pretty crazy that I do in my free time um, let's see what else I've done it I've done yeah where do you find time for all these hobbies like uh, like how, how many how much do you sleep not that much how many hours not enough it varies. Sometimes zero. 
Sometimes like six and a half. Okay. And so what, what keeps you, what's your, what's one of your good habits? What's one of your like things that keeps you energized, um, whether diet or anything like what's, what's one of your First thing in the morning, you get out of bed and you move. You do not wallow in your bed. Uh. You get up. (laughs) I can do that. And you go, yeah, I get up and go first thing in the morning. No excuses. I don't. I, uh, people are going to be like, drink a glass of water. I don't even drink water. I got to get out the door and see the sunrise. Uh-huh. So you get up really early. Then. I get up early, automatically. Yeah. So independent of what time I go to sleep, uh, I wake up, bing, no alarm. Just yeah, the bing, best. Yeah. go outside. So you really are you energized by nature and the sun. Um, and then, so are you really routine or are you not routine? We say like, oh, I have to do oh, this morning I'm meditation. so routine. You are. So what's the morning routine besides going and seeing the sunrise? Okay. So I get on my bike and I usually end up laughing as I'm riding my bike. I, I laugh by myself all the time just because funny stuff happens. Just people are so funny and you see them in their own worlds, like so stressed or like it's. Yeah. When you're really high, you start laughing at everything. I, I've been there. Yeah. But I'm not high. I'm not high on life. Um, in the morning. And so... <laughs> You've still got the cortisol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just ride my bike and um, go see the sunrise. I pretty much always run into different people that I know on the beach, <sighs> which is also a great way to start the day. You're like... And because I do it every day and I don't see them every day, I know that it's not a daily experience for them. So I'm always like, congratulations for making the sunrise. And they're like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to do this forever. I'm like, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> like, I do this every day and like, it still is great. Sunrise greeter, that's another hat for you. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, just go out there with like a flower lay to give people, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the place you live. And you don't enjoy enough, but I'm glad you made it today. So I do that and then I go home. And then I stretch, take a shower, and then I open my emails. Dun, dun, dun. Drum roll, drum roll. Yeah, but before I go to sleep, I always make my to-do list so that I can allow myself to sleep. Because mm. I think that if you don't make your... I don't know what it would be like to not make a to-do list, but I think it could be stressful. Right. Uh, I make my to-do list like with coffee like uh, after I've done all my exercise and meditation and everything. I don't even worry about that stuff until... I'm ready to tackle it, you know. But like, before bed, I like to read before bed. Do you have a, a before bed habit? I guess a to-do list. But that's kind of seems very like, like stressful. You know? It's like planning what you're doing and then going to sleep. I, do you ever space out before bed or what? Oh well, to me, I have to get it down so I don't like get out of bed and be like, oh, I've got to do this. Right, oh, right. This. Um, yeah, I also have. I drink really crazy tea. Do you try? How's the lemon loaf? It's a secret lemon loaf here. It's very sweet. Want you have? Yeah, I like it. yeah, no, no actual sugar in there. It's like a, it's one of my favorite things. But um, okay, so speaking of that, we're on the last last part here where uh, I ask you some of like your favorite other businesses in the area, maybe like, you know, whether they be tea, coffee, tea shops, or or you know, you know, nice healthy food places, or what's some of your favorite places to eat around here? Hmm. I recently discovered a restaurant. It's Indian. It's called Akash. Oh, I love Akash. Yeah. I get their non. I make my own Indian food. It's better. I mean, I, I got addicted to really good Indian food uh, in San Francisco. And then I figured out, I called them like every day, like <laughs> for like every week I would call them like, hey, how do you make this? How do you make that? And so I ended up making their dish that I'm addicted to. But I get their non from Akash. And they're, uh-huh. they're one of the best in the area. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you, you like Indian food, okay. And also, chocolate is one of my little addictions because while, while we end with that, what is the power? Chocolate is truly powerful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I know that's part of your ceremonies, right? Because the reason is um, our last guest, uh, our last guest, Amherst Jones, at the end we were talking about how she did this cacao ceremony mm-hmm. and how like cool it was. And so I know you do that as part of your ceremonies, right? And so do you actually, do you drink this, the cacao, like, like, um, liquid or do you eat the actual cacao like fruit off like the, with the plant so the cacao fruit is amazing if you have access to it have you tried it yeah i was in colombia and like the mountains and like they just gave it to us and it was great yeah it's totally different from what we know as chocolate yeah, yeah. it's like gooey and hard at the same time yeah yeah it's it's beautiful um so no we actually have cacao in liquid form hot with cayenne pepper mm. Similar to the traditional way that the Aztecs and the Mayans had it, yeah. but it is it is actually um, a little bit more contemporary because we put adaptogen mushrooms. It's not hallucinogenic or mm. psychotropic. You spike it. <laughs> no, but it's, it's like adaptogens are amazing. So it it will have like a mushroom blend in there, reishi, lion's mane, stuff like that. Lion's mane is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I had a pinched nerve last year. And lion's mane helped me, no lie. Also, chiropractor and yoga. But lion's mane was one of the key things. Um, yeah, there's a lot of little secrets out there. So I guess just follow. But, but you know what? They shouldn't be secrets. Well, they're 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 basically you know cures, tools that not everyone knows about. And I guess you know that's your job. Just it's our job is to talk about it and spread spread knowledge, spread awareness. Bring these... back the apothecary. Can can the doctors become apothecaries that also like have this deeper science? I guess apothecaries had scientific knowledge, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other, black or white. It doesn't have to be oh, you know, get this Pfizer medication or go do this. But like, um, anyway, it's very very tough topic. So I don't want to I don't want to talk about that too much. Okay. But anyways, for people who are listening, yes, chocolate's powerful. And- <laughs> And so is lion's mane if you have a problem that you need to solve. So it's really about problem solving in your life, identifying ways that you can improve your life, improve your health and wellness. But then don't settle. Don't settle for, oh, I, this is how I feel. It sucks, but it's, there's ways, there's ways to, to solve. Like, and there's ways to feel better. And the, the truth is you have to hang out with some of the people who feel amazing. And then you're like, wow, like, I can feel like them. I just have to like, change this. And oh, so yes. I think hanging out with you is a good idea. So I follow, I'm going to start calling you Emmy because it's easier for my brain. <laughs> so follow Emmy on Instagram, check out one of her ceremonies coming up. And uh, yeah, do you want to play a little music on the outro or what? You, anything you create, anything pops in your head? Yeah, so I'm actually going to record this one in just under two weeks. It is a mantra in Gurmukh and it's for the white light of protection. tune but it's so good
Thanks for coming. Yeah. Always ending with high fives. I love it.